I think what happened for so many people is that they they maybe haven't had a mentor mirror back their greatness. And so their their view of themselves is much lower than what is actually reality. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am so excited to share our guest with you today. He is just pure awesomeness. His name is Eric Lawholm. He's the CEO of the Being Movement LLC, and he's been in leadership roles his entire life. He began his career in the training industry in 1992, and during the 90s, Eric worked for Tony Robbins for a number of years and then started his own training company in 1999. He's been trained by some of the top trainers in the world, including Steve Hardison, Dr. Donald Moyne, Michael Gerber, and Jay Abraham. He's also an author of three books, and he currently lives with his wife, Heather, and his children in Rockland, California. Eric Lofholm, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you with us today. Dr. Richard, I'm excited to be here and share some ideas with your audience, and uh, so I appreciate the the, uh, invite. Absolutely. I, I can't wait because you have been working with some of the most prominent figures in personal development on earth. And I know you've got some pearls of wisdom, but before we get there, I want to jump in the Eric Lawholm time machine. Let's get up to 88 miles an hour and go back. And I want to hear your superhero origin story. What put you on the path you're on today? Well, I, uh, years ago was uh, working at McDonald's, uh, going to community college and uh, you're supposed to go to community college for two years I ended up going for five years and I uh, was a few units shy of that elusive AA degree. So I was not exactly on the fast track to success. And I took a day off of my job at McDonald's one day to go to a real estate and investment seminar. And uh, I was so inspired by the speaker, I ended up quitting my job, dropping out of college and going to work for this real estate investor, thinking I was going to learn how to make millions of dollars in real estate. And he offered me a sales job. So I was his bottom producer for an entire year. And then I met my sales mentor, a man named Dr. Donald Moyne, who has a PhD in psychology, a really brilliant, brilliant man and uh, mind when it comes to sales. And with his help and his ideas, I ended up becoming the top producer at that company. And I ended up going from there to go work for Tony Robbins and had a great run with Tony and uh, started my own training company in the late 1990s. And so I've been training full-time since 1999, helping people all over the world, working on their mind, and uh, creating more success in their lives. So I, I love this. And, and I and I I couldn't help think of Van Wilder as you're telling me your five years in uh, in community college story. But, you know, 
as you said, this is about the mind, right? This is about mindset. So what did Dr. Moyne really instill in you? I think this is a great place to start. That really started transforming your success. Well, with Dr. Moyne, I I was the bottom producer in sales, and I had never viewed myself as somebody that could become successful in selling. And he taught me that selling is a learned skill. And that simple idea can be applied to so many areas of life. Um, wealth building is a learned skill. Leadership is a learned skill. Social media is a learned skill. And when I was you know, coming up in my life to that point, I had a self-image that I'm average and ordinary. And so the world occurred for me as me being average and ordinary. And Dr. Moyne smashed that mindset. And really, it, it empowered me to go success is a choice. And so I started applying that mindset into different areas of my life. And I carry that mindset to this day. And, and it really empowers me that I can go and, and create what it is that I want. I like that you said success is a choice because we're really, it's built into us that it's really not, right? Like most people see it as these turnkey things they have to do, right? You, We were always taught, oh, you, you have to go to college and you earn a four-year degree. And if you go then get a master's degree, you'll make more money than someone with a four-year degree. And if you get a doctorate to go to medical school, then you make more money than everybody. That's not necessarily true at all. But the systems in place have taught us forever that there is, there's a path to getting there, right? The climbing the ladder, doing all these things. And so I know that 2023 is very different than when you started doing this in, in the 90s and in your you know, McDonald's adventure. But what would you say to somebody who's listened to this? Maybe they feel a little bit stuck. Maybe they're in a job that they don't love, or maybe they don't really think they're good enough down deep to be able to do just like you felt that you were really just average. What what are some of the, the foundational things that you would tell somebody like that? I think it starts with the question, why do I believe what I believe about me? And when we're, you know, I'll speak for myself, you know, being raised by my mom and dad and like so many people, I my parents divorced. And so I was raised in, in that environment and nobody was telling me I was extraordinary. And so I didn't view myself as extraordinary. It, it wasn't even a possibility, like being extraordinary and excelling. And, and that wasn't even an option. And if we look at why do I believe what I believe, I'm in my 50s. I've been coaching people now for a couple of decades. And a lot of people are walking around operating from beliefs that were installed in their mind when they were four, five, six, and seven. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve success. I don't have what it takes, et cetera. And they're, they don't have accurate thinking about their greatness. And so one of the things that I love doing for people is just pointing out how extraordinary they are and mirroring for them who they really are. And that's what my mentors did for me. Dr. Moyne and other mentors, they mirrored for me my greatness. And I was like, oh, that's who I am. Okay. And then I started showing up as that this higher expression of myself that was always there, but I never knew it. And so I think what happened for so many people is that they they maybe haven't had a mentor 
mirror back their greatness. And so their their view of themselves is much lower than what is actually reality. What I love about this, Eric, is there's, of course, scientific knowledge and research behind this, right? Like as you as you're sitting here describing this, oh well, this is straight up Judith Beck, right? That our early experiences form our core beliefs. You know, it's it it all has this kind of it's like this milieu of science versus practicality, right? But so I, I want to kind of challenge you even a, a bit further. So you had your greatness mirrored back to you. So if somebody's sitting in front of you who has no idea what makes anything about them special, what are some of the things you do in talking to people? Because I want people listening to this to be able to do this themselves, to start looking in the mirror and discovering what is so awesome about them. Yeah, I think what happens, um, it makes me think of this one client I had, and he he didn't view himself as an expert in um, graphic design. And uh, Malcolm Gladwell has this concept. He says the 10,000 hour rule. If you spend 10,000 hours doing something, you become an expert. So I said, so you went to school for graphic design. You worked as an employee for companies. You, you know, practice art your whole life. You you own your own graphic design company. You know, how many hours do you think you've logged in the graphic design experience? And he's like, "Mm, probably about 60,000 hours. And he wasn't exaggerating. And I said, so let me get this straight. You're not an expert, right? <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm not. And so he he wasn't acknowledging what was on the resume. He wasn't acknowledging what was so. <laughs> he was living this idea, I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm not an expert or whatever was going on with him. That was this story that happened probably when he was a little kid. And I think there's value in people taking a step back and looking at their accomplishments, looking at things that they've done that's extraordinary. Like when I was in high school, I had a little business and I made a few dollars and I went and bought a a World Series ticket to the Oakland A's LA Dodgers um, game. And my dad didn't take me, nothing wrong with that, but I I took myself. And my friend and I drove ourselves, bought the tickets. Like who does that at 17, (laughs) right? And at the time, I just thought it was no big deal. And now I look back and go, that was amazing for me as a 17-year-old to do that. But nobody was telling me that was extraordinary. And I think that's what happens is as we go through life, we're, we're doing things like going to work every day, giving it a great effort. A lot of people think, oh, it's no big deal. It's actually a big deal. <laughs> a lot of people don't go to work every day, give great effort. And so when we take a look at what is so, like what am I actually doing? What have I done in my lifetime? Um and acknowledging our greatness and what a lot of people do is the opposite they're they're their harshest critic they literally declare i am my harshest critic i'm hard on myself and i am my number one cheerleader as a state of being and that's something that i learned from one of the masters that i studied is i can declare who i am from a conscious choice versus the way I was raised and what I used to believe about myself. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I think of this analogy that I used to use with patients who would say, I'm depressed, or I have a learning disability, or I am dyslexic, for example. And I would always say to them, if you broke your arm, would you walk around telling people I'm broken armed? No, of course not. That's stupid, right? But we internalize things and we do the same thing. So I love, I love this. And I, and I, so which master, if I might ask, was the one that taught you this? Cause this is, this is great stuff. That, that last idea about state of being um, is a man named Steve Hardison. And he is the most advanced person I've ever met at um, understanding the mind in terms of who I've had personal experience with. And one of the things he taught me is he said, you know, what's a, an unuseful thought you have about yourself? And I said, I don't, I don't fit in. And I created that thought back when I was a little kid and my parents being divorced and I never felt like I fit in with my own family. And so here I am in my fifties and he goes, he goes, Eric, you being, I don't fit in is like, um, uh, somebody who's anorexic saying they're fat, like that is not who you are. I mean, I have a, a, a Rolodex that's very expansive. It's not the biggest Rolodex on the planet, but I have a, you know, a, a network of people all over the world in, in the thousands. And um, it just is not reality, but I was living in that idea. And so he would teach me these different things and he would teach me that you can decide, you know, who am I being? And then you can decide who do I need to be in order to create what I want. And that was a very profound shift in thinking. What am I thinking that's creating my current results? And then what do I need to think in order to create the results that I want? And so it created a whole new possibility for me where my current reality in many ways didn't even matter. What mattered is what do I want to create and how can I do it? And so uh, it's been very powerful to, to learn from him. I wrote that down. That's amazing. So who am I being and who do I need to be to create the results I want? Because those are, those are very different. It's almost like, so did you, did you sit there, lock yourself in a room and start writing down like these things? Like this is, this, this exercise is amazing. It's twofold. It's, it's what you just said, but I'll give you a real world application that I think is a, a good way to drive the point home for the listeners. So my, my daughter, who's, getting ready to go to college. She's going to be a freshman at University of Arizona. And so at the start of her senior year, she was living with me and her mom and I are divorced. And so uh, it was the first week of high school senior year. And my daughter was supposed to come home. And I texted her, what time are you coming home? She goes, I'm staying with mom tonight. I'm like, oh, okay. Next day, texted her, when are you coming home? She goes, I'm staying with mom tonight. She lives with me. She's staying with her mom. Okay. Next day, I said, when are you coming home tonight? She goes, I live with mom now. And I went ballistic. I'm like, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm your father. You're a minor. You're going to do what I tell you to do. 
And then my mind goes to, oh, I thought you wanted me to pay for your college. I guess you don't want me to pay for college anymore. <laughs> and I'm furious and I'm I'm being angry. And this went on for a couple of days. And then I walked into Starbucks after a couple of days being angry towards my daughter. And I did the little mindset thing that we just talked about. I said, who am I being? I'm, I'm, I'm being angry. I'm being hurt. I'm being upset. Who do I... Who do I want to be with my daughter? I want to be unconditional love. And I literally made a conscious decision in that moment. I shifted, like snap your fingers and shifted into being loving. And I sent her a text and I said, hey, I'm in Starbucks. You want a Starbucks? Now, when I walked into that Starbucks, she was not going to get a Starbucks. But when I shifted into being loving and I, she said, yes, yeah, she won the Starbucks. And I took it to her and I let go of the anger. And I didn't tell her you need to come home. I just let her be. And on her own after a week or two, whatever it was, she came home and moved back in with me. But the story is not about her moving back in with me. It's a story about me making a conscious decision in anger to be loving. And it transformed the communication because I'm stubborn and I could have stayed angry for months. And we ended up having a great senior year because of me shifting and we have that power is, is the, the point of the illustration. It's a beautiful illustration and, and it hammers home the point as well that you can't be in two emotional states at once. So, you know, you were able, we, we do everything differently when we're angry, right? We're irrational, we're hostile, you know, the other individual, you know, they're, whether we're yelling at them or not, they go onto the defensive, they pick up on the body language. So, shifted this whole situation. So that's that's awesome. So thank you for sharing that example, because that does put it in a practical sense. Uh, it feels like, and this wasn't my intent, but we're working our way through the lessons of these great people that you've worked with. Um, tell us a little bit about what you learned from Jay Abraham. So Jay Abraham is um, somebody who sees the world differently than anybody else I've ever met. He's a marketing genius. And what what Jay, I guess the biggest thing I ever learned from Jay is to, to leverage networks. So what I mean by that is in business, I can go look for a customer or I can go and look for somebody who has my customer. And so uh, an example of that would be, I have this one client of mine in my, my training company and he literally has an organization of 20,000 people. So he'll regularly refer me to not like all 20,000, but he'll refer me to people here and there. And so there's the value of him as a client, but then there's the value of his network, which is a much higher value because it's it's such an expansive network. And so that is a, um, a very different way of thinking that has, um, I made a lot of different decisions uh, out of that. And for example, in meeting Steve Hardison, who we've talked a little bit about, um, his book came out a couple of uh, years ago. It's called The Ultimate Coach. And I told him that he needed a Facebook group to support all the book enthusiasts. And he goes, well, I don't know anything about Facebook groups. And I said, okay, well, no problem. I, I know a lot about them. And I said, I'll create it for you. I'll set it up. I'll manage it. And I'll lead it. And you don't have to pay me a penny. Now, why did I do that? Because I knew that that was going to create a network 
And if I'm running the Facebook group, I'm now the leader of this network. In other words, it's going to up-level my exposure to, in theory, thousands of people. So I was getting paid, not by him, but really through marketing. And my brain figured all that out because of what Jay taught me about networks. And so that group now has nearly 9,000 members. It's brought me a lot of business. A lot of great things have happened. So what I learned from Jay was to, to leverage networks. Awesome. And... Um... I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about Tony. Yeah, so Tony, um, Tony's a really interesting guy. Um, extremely intense. And what I learned from him was uh, I, I used to promote his one-day business seminar called The Competitive Edge. And the team and I that I was on, we sold out the theater at Madison Square Garden. So 5,000 people come to the seminar. And the uh, seminar is supposed to end at 5. And Tony, you know, he's, if you ever been or heard, he's jumping up and down the whole thing for till eight o'clock at night, right? Like if it's my seminar and we end at five, we end at five, Tony goes till eight and he had dinner with us that night with the sales team. And by the time he finished the event and took his shower and got his massage or whatever he did, it was 11 o'clock at night at the restaurant and he's coaching us. And what I got from that was who he was being in that moment. He was being all out. He was being commitment. He was being action. Because if it was me, I'm not coaching my sales team at 11 o'clock at night after teaching a seminar all day. And it it basically role modeled for me that I have another gear inside of me. I have many gears inside me. So when I say I'm tired, I got more left in the tank. When I say I'm hungry, I don't need to go eat right now. When I say I got nothing left, I got, there's still more there. And so it gave me a, um, a role model around in a five car, uh, five gear stick shift car. I wasn't operating in fourth and fifth gear. I was playing up to like level the third gear. And so that's, it just showed me I got a lot more to give. And, and, and that was uh, the, the most valuable lesson I ever learned from him. Are there any practical applications of that you could share with us? How to get into the fourth and fifth gear? Yeah, the practical application is uh, two nights ago, I didn't feel like going to the gym. I'm like, I'm tired. I worked a full day. I deserve to take a day off. And and I went. And uh, and I was fine. I wasn't like, you know, I've got nothing left in the tank. Like, I, I had a great workout. I woke up the next day. I wasn't overly tired. But my brain said, don't go. My brain said, take time off. Um, when it comes to prospecting to grow my business, if I haven't hit my number for the day, sometimes at 10 o'clock at night, I'll be working my smartphone, finishing up my prospecting where most people are like, uh, you know, I put my work in for the day. I, I can take this time off. And I'm not advocating people to be working at 10 o'clock at night. I'm just using it as an example that my brain's like, you're done working or you've got nothing left, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. And the reality is that we we can. There's so much more that we have in the tank if we are open to it. And, you know, Tony Robbins proved this to me that night, coaching us 11 o'clock at night after he'd been, you know, full tilt boogie. <laughs> the guy's going all out of these seminars. And I would just, I wouldn't have been coaching my sales team. So that really taught me something powerful about what's possible. And we've talked a little bit about the lessons that these mentors uh, have taught you. Share with us 
some more lessons you from the from your wisdom uh, that you could you know impart on everybody listening to us today? Well, I think something that I have to offer the world is how I got all these mentors. You know, I've got Jay Abraham on my on my uh, smartphone, Steve Hardison, Les Brown, motivational superstar. Dante Prano, my first mentor, Dr. Moyne, Michael Gerber. And I I have a mindset, one, that I deserve mentors. So it, I don't think that like, well, I'm not good enough to reach out to a Les Brown. Um, and I also, I honor my mentors in how I relate with them, how I communicate with them. I'm going to say something that's obvious, but a lot of people don't understand this. I don't challenge my mentors, right? I honor them. I give them the respect that they deserve. And I have um, really focused on building relationship with them and thinking about, you know, what can I do to add value to them? And so, you know, mentors is, having one mentor is amazing. Having multiple mentors is just like off the charts. And I would encourage anybody listening right now, if you've never had a mentor, to set an intention to attract a mentor into your life because these these are life-changing relationships. Amen to that. You know, absolutely. And I think that's probably, you know, in, in all the years I've been doing this, when I talk to high-level achievers, almost every time mentorship 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 so that's that's so well said perfect well this time together eric has flown by i knew that it would your energy did not disappoint uh, i'm sure you'll be jumping up and down for at least you know at least five more hours maybe even more today uh as you know i love to wrap up every episode by asking my guests just this one question eric what is your biggest helping the single most important takeaway you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today want to reinforce something that I talked about earlier, and that is to have accurate thinking about your greatness. And so when you think about yourself, like what are your natural gifts and talents? What, what is it that you've been, what skill sets have you developed that you've been trained in? What are the things that you've accomplished that you can really acknowledge yourself on? And Napoleon Hill from Thinking Grow Rich, he, when he was alive, talked about accurate thinking. And so I love to add, have accurate thinking about your greatness. And that's what I'd like to leave your listeners with. Perfect. Eric, tell us where people can find out more about you online and connect. Um, Great way to go is beingmovement.com. And there's all kinds of great free resources if you're interested in learning more about being. And then my name, I'm the only Eric Lofholm on the planet. So if you Google Eric Lofholm, um, I'm on all the social medias, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn. So if you're a, a social media person, I'd love to connect with you on social media. Awesome. And we'll have everything Eric Lawholm in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Eric, this time flew by. Thank you so much for joining us and spending some time in The Daily Helping. I loved our conversation. Thanks, Dr. Richard. It was great to be with you and your listeners today. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this conversation. If you liked it, if you're inspired, if you learned something from it, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.